Hey everyone, and welcome to the Illumineers Quest podcast, where we talk everything Lorcana. I'm Zach. And I'm Jacob. And thanks for coming on this journey with us. So this episode is all about like the foundation of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, for the the new people to Lorcana that might not know how to play, this will hopefully give you some insight into how to set up the game, like the objective of the game, like you name it. That'll this will get you started. We're we're kind of TCG. Noobs. You know, noobs. We we've we've touched on that, but we've dove deep into the inner workings of Lorcana, and we feel like we're pretty ready to go at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably one or two things that we're not like super sure about yet, but overall, not experts by any means. Yeah, but we're definitely overall. I think on our way. Like when new information comes out, like we're not a terrible source to learn from. I no, think we... we're, we're on our way to becoming experts yes, for sure. For sure. So with that said, what's the objective of the game? That's the best place to start. Yep. The objective of the game is to get the first player to get to 20 lore wins a game. That's the point of the game. Um, and the way you do that is by getting cards that have lore on them and they quest. And the way to build out your decks to have that ability to do so is you have um, two two inks that you choose from. There's six inks overall. You pick two of the inks, two of your favorite inks or ones that work together well, whatever. Um, and then there's sixty cards in each deck. That's a minimum. You can actually have more if you yep. want to, but not necessarily the best strategy. So, um, so twenty lore, it's is the objective. And like you said, just recapping here to make sure we're all on the same page. The character cards in your deck have assigned lore values mm-hmm. and those characters then depending on how they're played and we'll talk about that in a minute give you those lore values to add to your counter to get you closer to that goal yes okay so with the setup then you, you said 60 cards per deck that's a minimum right mm-hmm. you can have more if you want i think we're still trying to decide if you want to go more i think we've both decided on 60 is probably the safe bet to just stay at that for now we'll see how it goes but 60 card minimum and then within each specific card that you have in your deck, you can have a max of four. Yes. So yeah. you can have two different, like Aladdin's, for instance. There's you know multiple cards that are named Aladdin. There's i I'm trying to think of one. There's Hero Rogue or Heroic Rogue. I I forget which one's the Ruby's one is called. Um, yeah. So like I'm. I mean, th- th- I think there's a couple. Yeah, so there's there's an emerald Aladdin. So there's Aladdin Prince Ali. That's that's mm-hmm. emerald ink color. There's Aladdin Street Rat. That is uh, ruby color. And then there's also Aladdin Heroic Outlaw. And so it's not four Aladdins. It's four of each of those Aladdins if that's the route you wanted to go. Yep, and all of those cards have different stats and yes. abilities and things. So they're all they're all different. Yeah. So set up i think that kind of covers this or so no so we've kind of set the grounds on like how to get started but when you start then each player has their deck they shuffle their deck they get ready to go they draw seven cards they draw seven cards so that's you start with you start in your hand with seven cards mm-hmm. on your turn or i guess back up one quick step the first person that goes so to open the game that person does not get to draw a card Mm -hmm. because they have a little bit of an advantage they get to go first so they have like an extra turn per se and they don't have set rules for how you decide who goes first like there's that yeah you can flip a coin rock paper scissors yeah whatever you want to do so that first person though does not get to draw a card to make up for getting to go first but from that point on you draw one card 
on your turn. Yes. And then during your turn, you can play as many cards as you want. That you have ink for, which we're Which is to. what I was hoping you would say. So with that said, <laughs> describe ink and describe how you actually play your cards on your turn. So when I was getting into the game, ink was probably the thing that was the most hard for me to first understand. Once I got it, I understood. I would agree with that. Um, but ink is basically the, if you play something like Marvel Snap or anything like that, it's the energy in the game. That yeah, that's a very you, good. That lets you play cards. That's a very good comparison. Um, so there's an interesting way to build up ink, though. It's not like you gain one ink to use every turn. It's you use these cards that are inkable, which there's a little emblem on the, the top left that tells you if you can do that or not. Tells you the cost of the card, and then there's a symbol around that cost so that tells you if it can be turned into ink or symbol. not. Yeah. Um, and you put that in what you call your ink well, which is basically just telling you how much ink you have built up. Um, and you can put one card in your ink well per turn, and that adds every card in your ink well, adds one ink for that turn or next turn to use. So you can play as many cards as you want, but only as much ink as you have to be able to play. So if yes. you have three ink in your well and a five cost card, you can't play that card because you don't have enough ink to play it. Yep. But on the reverse side, if you have three one ink cost cards, you can play all three of those with your three ink. Yep, absolutely. And it's um, when you put a card in your ink well, it's not like if that card has five cost ink that you added five ink. That counts Good as point. one. Good point. That counts as one. Um, so when you play that ink, you're also able to instantly use it then, correct? Yes. I think, it, yeah, so the, an important distinction then between like the way that you play the cards and the cards themselves is how and when you can actually use them. So playing them is not necessarily like using them, but it's like putting them on the board to be able to be quested or challenged or, you know, whatever, for an item or an action to be used against your opponent or for you, yes. correct? Yep. So, ink you can use the turn you play it. So if I'm on my first turn and I place an ink, then I can then use oh, a card cost. with one cost. Yeah. Um, the distinction here is, and I kind of touched on it a second ago, is that actions and items can be played and then used right away. Mm -hmm. So I can play an action card and then use it against you that same turn. And regular characters cannot do that. They, Correct. they have a cooldown, basically. Once you play them, you need to wait a whole turn. The ink has to dry. The ink has to dry. When they explain that in the rules, I love that the so much. The ink has to dry. So, again, there's you know always an exception to the rule. There's an ability that will Lots let of rule characters... Breakers. Yeah, Lots th of rule breakers. There will, that will allow characters to go around that rule. Um, and we can kind of touch on some of those. There's a few different distinctions within the cards that make them special. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into that specifically, though, so there's you know three main types of cards. There's actions, items, and characters. So like we said, actions and items can be used right away. Yep. The difference between those two is items, when you play it, it's instantly used. So you play it, it's used, it's done. And then there's specific ones that say that you have to exert it, which we'll get into, to use that as well. Um, yeah, but you use it then. It's you like can it, use it immediately. The, the difference between yes. action and item is an action can be placed on the board and used at a later time. An item card 
has to be played and used at that point. Are, are those switched around? No, an item's used. Because okay. an item is, like, distinguishable. Okay. okay. Or, it, like, an item's a thing that you use it. Like, dop, um I'm learning too here. <laughs> yeah, well, we're still new. We're still, we're still and again, we're still if we new. get anything wrong, please, you know, help us out. Dinglehopper. But, like, a, you know, a dinglehopper can, you know, for uh, Little Mermaid fans, is just a fork. Yep. But, like, a fork is, a, the way that I thought about it is a fork is a thing that you use and then you're done with it. An action is like you know something that you can do today. Like if you want to go to the grocery store, you can go to the grocery store right now. You can go to the grocery store tomorrow, but you can okay. do it whenever. So that's that's the way that, that makes I it a lot that's easier. the way that I that remember makes it a lot it. easier. Um, and then the one, and then characters obviously, which um, you know are the, the characters. Focus. Yes, and then the one kind of subclass of all of these cards. Yes. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Yes. Well, I go do. ahead then. I'll Songs? Let you, yes. I'll let so you take So they're this. a subcategory within the action card. They're action songs. And the way this works is, this goes back to what we were talking about with ink costs and things. So it is basically an action card that you can either, like it, it could be a, a five cost song card. And you could exert, use five ink to play that. Or you could have a five ink card that cost five it's character. already in play character yes character um and you can play that for free by having a that is the same cost or or more and exerting that character and exerting that time. character that character cannot quest which we'll get into so or, or challenge or we've said like that. that a couple times now so what is exerting exerting is basically saying that hey i use this it it's, is Basically what it's, it is. It's a fancy word for used, right? Yes. It, it's the way to distinguish what cards have been used this turn and what cards have not. So it basically just keeps everything organized. And, and what exerting essentially is, is when you play your card on your mat or your table or your board, you know everything is played in upright position. Mm -hmm. When you use it, you turn it 90 degrees so that it's now a landscape version of the card instead of portrait. And that shows it's exerting. It just, it, again, it's just an organizational thing to make sure that you're not overspending the amount of ink that you have or mm. using your character twice when you shouldn't. And that text is used in the cards to tell you, like, hey, yeah. when you exert this, this does that. So it, it comes in handy like, so to know what's going on. To Jake's earlier point... Um, there are certain items or actions that have a cost associated with them. So some you have to pay to play, some you don't. You know, so for the like super powerful ones, for instance, you might have to pay to use it and to to exert it. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, then you pay the extra cost to make that action happen. Yes. So that kind of covers the ins and outs of the game. And so the you said when we started. The objective of the game is to get to 20 lore. Yeah, that's the... Maybe we should elaborate on that a little bit, too. So, you have you have two options, and we'll get into the other one later. But you can... When you have a card in play, and it's, the ink is dried, you can either challenge or quest. And quest is how you're going to win the game, essentially, which is each, car, each character card has lore attached to it, and it's usually one to three um, lore. And when you exert it, you say you're questing it, and the value of the lore that ha is on that character card is added to your overall lore that you're collecting for that round. And like we said before, first to 20 lore wins the game. 
Yep. Um, so the, that's the, the main... I think this is a good refresher for both of us. <laughs> we, we, we're on the same page thus far, which means I think we know what we're talking about. Yes, for okay. sure. Well, that's, that's, that's a, good, um, a good place to start. So, I, I, you know, as, as we kind of touched on earlier, too, there's a few exceptions to the rule. There's always something that's going to be a rule breaker or whatever. And so you have different classifications and abilities within the character set. You have different ink types that you have to consider as well. And I think you touched on that for a second, but that's probably worth bringing back up as well. So um, real quick, I think the last two things that we really need to touch on, I guess, are probably the ink costs or the ink colors and then different like abilities. So explain ink, the different ink. Um, so there and how is, that works when you're building your deck. So the six inks right off the bat are Amethyst, Emerald, Ruby, Steel, Amber, Sapphire. And um, they... Each one, like Pokemon, it's kind of the type, like it's. And we went in, and we went in a little bit more in depth into those on our first episode. So if you're curious about what each of those are and how they work, a little bit each more in depth, have you can play check their out own the first role. episodes. Yeah. Each play their own role. Um, sorry to cut you off there. But no, but the key is that you can only play two at a time. Two at a time. You pick your the two that you like best for that deck, um, and you can't use like one card from Ruby when you're making Emerald Steel. Yeah. So you can't you can't use cards from Ruby, Outside. Emerald, Steel, Amber at the same time. You have to pick and choose mm -hmm. so that you kind of have some focus to the deck you're building. Exactly. Exactly. And then the the last, I think, quick thing to touch on is classification and abilities. Classification is just an overall general idea of the character itself. There's mm -hmm. a lot of them and certain abilities or actions affect certain classifications and so like princesses for instance you know there might be a card that only interacts with princesses or that affects princesses differently than the rest of the cards or villains for instance there might be a card that interacts with villains differently than the rest of the cards and yes. so those don't necessarily directly mean anything specific aside from different distinctions with actions and abilities yes so abilities are where it gets really interesting because those are the real rule breakers in the scenario. Yep, definitely. So there are currently nine um, abilities. And I'd like to get into one more thing before we get into those. Yeah, no, please it, do. Because it builds off, but please do. challenging. Challenging is basically the attacking. Yes, we, we talked about questing. So characters can mainly do two things. I guess three things if you want to talk about singing. Yes, um, sure. Because you, you touched on that already. But you, the main two things that characters do are quest and challenge. Okay. So challenge what is, is challenge? Challenge is how you attack other cards in this game. That's what challenging is. Um, it's like battle, basically. Yeah. Um, and you're, so we talked about the ink cost on a card, and or character card, and the lore points on a character card but there's two other stats that go into that character card as well and that's willpower and strength willpower is basically your hp and your then, defense yeah and your strength is your attack yeah um and when you engage in a challenge um you basically have your card and then you pick your opponent's card that is already exerted your opponent's card that you're choosing to challenge has to be exerted. I think that's a key. I think that's a key distinction that we both missed, actually. 
that they have to be exerted. Meaning, so if I want to challenge you, I can't pick any of your cards. I have to pick one of your characters that is exerted, that is already being used. So mm -hmm. in my turn, if I go on a quest with one of my cards, I exert or use it, and then it is open to being attacked at that point. Yes, and so when we talked about questing earlier, you have to exert that card to quest. For which your turn it, and your opponent's. Which opens it up to attack. Correct. If you are questing, it opens up that card to attack. Um, and so two cards use their strength, their attack, at the same time. Um, it's not like if, if my card has higher stats and takes out your card, you don't attack mine. They both attack simultaneously at the same time, which takes, you know, whatever my opponent's strength is it takes that from my willpower overall willpower willpower and that could banish it which is basically killing a card in the game yeah that's a, i mean that's a, di a distinction that they attack each other which yes, at the same time is i don't think that's like that in other tcg games again could be we're wrong new, we're new to this <laughs> could be wrong. but i from my understanding that's usually not how it happens is that they're attacking each other and so if you both have three strength and willpower and you're attacking each other, then both of them are gone. Yes. But again, the, the point of challenging is, is if you have a character that is on a quest that keeps racking up the lore, you want to keep them from continuing to do that so that that inhibits your opponent from gaining more lore and winning the game. Absolutely. Yep. So, good sidebar, because getting into abilities that have a big impact on the way that cards challenge yes there's there's a few that do that for sure so on the first episode we we talked a little bit about a few of the abilities and ones that we particularly like mm -hmm. and so i have all of the the cards with different abilities selected here but if we just really quickly run through the abilities if you want to touch on it as we go through we can or we can just run through them and then go back to them but okay there's bodyguard mm -hmm. challenger evasive reckless Rush, Shift, Singer, Support, and Ward. That's, there's a total of nine. So yes. um, it adds a lot of variation to specific cards that would normally not be that special. Yeah, so I'll start with Bodyguard. Um, I think this one's actually pretty cool. Uh, it could be, again, we're still learning. We don't necessarily know how all of them are going to play out yet, but Bodyguard's cool. And so what Bodyguard says is um, a character with the Bodyguard ability is this character may enter play exerted. So you can, when you use that, or when you play that card, it could already be exerted if you wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. And an opposing character who challenges one of your characters must challenge the bodyguard if able. Meaning if you have three cards, they're all exerted, one of them is a bodyguard, you have to take out the bodyguard first. It's essentially, if you play some mobile games, it's basically a taunt. It's basically what it's. You can only attack yeah. that card if able. Yeah. So if you have a very low power, low strength card, but you know has a lot of other intrinsic value that you want to keep alive, you can play a bodyguard next to it to keep that other card alive while the bodyguard takes the brunt. For example, if that other card that you're using has a lore, uh, a high lore value, but really low like uh, willpower, which health basically. Yeah. Um, you can protect it with bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Um, and then secondly, Challenger. Do you want to talk about Challenger or do you want me to? Um, so Challenger is one of the more interesting abilities, I think. Um, and basically is an 
all of the characters that have Challenger use it differently. Um, and so all of the Challenger cards, or most of them, start out with lower, lower uh, strength. They don't have much strength themselves, but Challenger makes them very interesting. So Challenger, like I'll, I'll bring up a uh, Jafar Wicked Sorcerer card. Um, so it's a four cost, two strength, five willpower, and it has the ability Challenger plus three, which says while challenging, this character gets plus three strength. So in total, when it's challenging... So if you're actively challenging the other character... If another character challenges that card, it still has two strength. Right. But if you're attacking, challenging another card, it gains plus three. Um, and each card, like there's some cards that have challenger plus two, so they use it differently. Yeah. Okay. And then, so that's a cool one. I think that is a good beneficial if used correctly. And then evasive, we touched on on the other episode as well, but just really quickly, evasive means that cards with evasive can only be challenged by other cards with evasive. So it's hard to get them out if you're not ready for it. Probably my favorite ability. Probably my favorite ability as well. So, Reckless. What do you think about Reckless? Reckless is something I don't plan on touching. But to go into it, this Reckless, this character can't quest and much challenge each turn if able. So, in every card with Reckless does not have any lore value. And it obviously cannot quest, um, so it wouldn't need to. But really strong. Usually, these cards have high strength, so they they punch above their weight. So like I'm looking at uh, Gaston, arrogant hunter, mm-hmm. uh, ink cost of two, so really low entry cost to get him on the board, but a strength of four. That's so, so he's gonna punch above his weight. So I'm kind of on your board. I don't or on your boat. I don't necessarily think that that's a a strategy that I personally want to take, mm-hmm. but it could be really annoying, you know, because if you have a Gaston with a strength of four and any cost of two, he could probably wipe out most, most of your entry level cards. If, if you're on like a, a turn three or two, it, it could take out just about anything. Yep. Agree. Um, next one would be Rush. I think this one's pretty cool too. So we touched on already. The ink has to dry when you play a, uh, a character, meaning they can't be exerted that turn if you have rush that nullifies the ink drying and you can play the card that turn either questing or challenging you can only challenge oh okay you can so only you challenge can, that okay. turn so you can cannot, only challenge cannot with rush. quest that turn so you can so you can with rush you can challenge right away and try to catch somebody off guard that is questing just quick damage out of nowhere basically yep. is what the point of rush is so shift is i think one of the more known abilities it's it definitely shows up in quite a few places. And I think the easiest way, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, to explain Shift is equivalent to evolving in Pokemon. Very similar. Very similar. There's, there are definitely differences, and you can talk about it real quick, but the initial idea that I had when I saw Shift was evolving. Because you can... The difference is you can play that card separately and not, quote, evolve it. Or you can shift that card and play it on top of another card with the same name. So the Aladdin with the shift ability, uh, you can play on top of the Aladdin that you already have on your board. So and and what benefit does that have? So let's say you have a, a two. I believe there's a two cost Aladdin. 
two ink Aladdin. Um, but then there's this much better Aladdin that is seven cost that you can use that's that has much better stats and has a better ability and things like that. Well, it yep. has shift five, which you may pay five ink to play this on top of one of your characters named Aladdin. So rather than having to pay the full seven to get him on the board, you can shift him for Under five that two cost ink. Aladdin you already have yeah. or five ink. Now, one of the interesting things about shift is if let's say your 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 two cost Aladdin it has three strength, but it was already challenged and now it only has one. Keeps the damage. It keeps the damage yeah. onto the Aladdin that you brought onto it. Yeah. Okay. The next one um, is singer. So singer. So it goes back to the songs. Yeah. So singer interacts with the song. So we already talked about the songs and that you can play the song as an action, just straight up, or you can sing the song for from a character with the same ink cost as that song. But if you have a singer, they are usually lower cost cards mm -hmm. that can sing higher cost value. So like I'm looking at Ariel Spectacular Singer. And she's a three ink cost card, but can sing five ink cost songs. So again, punches above her weight. For sure. For singing. And it's an interesting mechanic to use, for sure. Yeah, so support. Support is... I mean, support is all around... It, it explains itself, basically, but it's supporting your other characters, not necessarily helping itself. But um, So if you, if, I'll let you go into support here. Yeah, I'm trying to find a good example on one. They're where, a little, they're yeah. A little so, bit more so support. It says when this, whenever this character quests, you may add their strength to another chosen's character on that turn. So, like, if I have two characters out and I quest with a support character, that character's strength I can transfer to another character that I want to challenge with. So, if I take, like, I'm looking at Chief Tui, respected leader, and he has a support. And a strength of three. So if I quest Chief Tui and give his three strength to somebody else that has two, then they're going to be able to, to challenge with five strength that turn. And that's really helpful because that card that, that Chief Tui is not challenging that turn. It's questing. So, so you, you're you're not using the strength at all. So you add it on to something else that correct. can use it. So you're questing and getting a better challenge out of one card. Yes. And then the last is Ward. And it's pretty straightforward. Opponents can't choose this character except to challenge. So there's there's specific cards that 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 works against. Like there's certain cards that say, you know, attack. Like there's an action card that attack deal two damage to this card, and you cannot choose a banish war card. Banish chosen character. Yes, and that does not. Can't. Act, you can't choose ward cards. Yeah. So if. We on the first episode we talked about uh, Tinkerbell, um, Giant Fairy, and the ability that she has is during your turn, whenever this character banishes another character in a challenge, you may deal two damage to chosen opposing character. If the only opposing character to choose is Ward, then that's nullified and you can't use it because you can't choose that Ward character. Yes, and like we said before, you still can challenge it. You can go and yeah, attack you can, it. Yeah, you, you, you can try to banish them, but you can't indirectly yes. deal damage or banish. You have to do it directly in the challenge. Yep. Well, that's all. Is there any is there, is there any other like tidbits about the playing of the game 
that needs to be said. That 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 we got a little in depth there. I think that was a little more in depth than we maybe initially planned on. But so there is there is one thing that I haven't gotten into a bunch. Um, but it there's some other places that are focusing on it a lot. But this game is actually multiplayer, and not to where that is a good point. I, we should talk about not that. to a point to where it's one on one. That might be considered multiplayer in in some areas, but you can have. I think it's up to four. Yeah, you can play as a group. Meaning, and there are cards that say deal damage to every opponent. Yes. So, and so they work well with that. Yeah. So that you're going in a multiplayer setting, meaning you know you versus two or three others, and it's different because in other card games, it's you lose your cards or all your cards are defeated, and so the opponent wins, and so it's a very much a head-to-head battle. But since this is questing for lore. Like, everybody can be questing for lore at the same time. Yes, and, and it, get, add, it adds a lot more strategy if you're playing multiplayer. Like yeah. Who do I, oh, for sure. Who do I challenge? Like, do I quest now? Because and all of these other things can... If that card exerted to quest, then there's three opponents that can attack Hopefully it. we can get family members to play this with us so we can get some intense Hopefully. four-people battles. And who knows, at our local uh, gaming store, we might, yeah. might host a few tournaments that are multiplayer. Yeah, we'll so. see. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think that we went in pretty in-depth on some of those abilities and stuff, but the only other thing that we didn't talk about, and it's more just the mantra of the game, but it helps you keep everything organized. You know what I'm going to say? Ready, set, draw. We didn't okay. talk about we ready, set, draw. We didn't talk about ready, set, draw. Okay, that's really... But it's basically what ready, set, draw is, really quick, is when it's your turn... You ready up your cards, so any of the cards that were exerted in your previous turn are now ready or to used, you can turn them back to portrait mode. They're ready to be used again, mm-hmm. so ready the cards up. Set is set your your ink, your place, everything. Make sure you like all of your cards on your board and your hand and everything is ready to go. I mean, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. And then draw is every turn you get to draw one card so then you draw your card and you essentially like truly start your turn at that point yes then you can decide what you're going to do strategy wise yeah so quest challenge play an action item play what cards you want to play how much ink you want to use so forth and so forth and ready to draw is just to get to that point and yeah okay i think i think that i think that covers it like i said we went a little more in depth with the um with the, the abilities and some of the stuff there. But I think that that's important. You know, if, if you're getting into this, it, it's important to consider. You know, you don't necessarily have to go out and become an expert on day one, but understanding some of those things is going to help you have a little bit more fun on that first time you play. Because yep. if you're playing an evasive person and you can't attack their characters and you don't have any way to deal with that, probably not going to be a fun time. No, not at all. So at least being aware of those abilities and understanding that you need to account for them and learn them more as you go will help you have a better time thing absolutely i think i think we did a good job (laughs) well we aren't experts and we never claim to be you'll hear us say that a bunch i assume so if there's anything that anybody wants to add obviously please feel free you can find us at on or i'm sorry on twitter at lorecanapod you can find us on youtube where we post all these podcasts as well um at illumineers quest and then if you have any questions or want to add anything or have any comments, concerns, ideas, you can also, criticism. yeah, constructive criticism, ideas, whatever, you can email us as well at lorconapod at gmail.com.
excited for that. I'm excited to get feedback. <laughs> yeah, we want to we want to do better. If there's any content suggestions, if there's any i episode suggestions, if there's anything you'd like us to do differently, please let us know, and we'll we'll work it in. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one.